most people are trying to resolve and commit before they've made a decision. So somebody might say, well, I'm in a relationship with this guy and I can't get him to commit. Well, that's because he hasn't decided that you're the one. Welcome to the Vince Del Monte Podcast Show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Hey, great to have you back for another episode of the Vince Del Monte podcast, which is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men develop the five M's of manhood, muscle, mindset, money, mission, and marriage. In each episode, it's our mission to avoid skimming the surface, but scuba dive and give you simple, no-nonsense insights and takeaways to maximize a few of the five M's so that you're becoming a better man because we believe that when men start living large, everyone around them is positively impacted and start living large as well. This podcast is free and will likely always be free of advertising. I don't see my podcast as a money maker, but as a straight up value exchange, an opportunity for me to learn from our guests and for you to learn from other inspiring stories. With that said, if you could leave this podcast a five-star review or rating, it would be awesome. And if you could share this on social media and tell your friends, I'd be extremely grateful. Hey, if you're new here, I'd go back to listen to the first five episodes, laying down the five M's of manhood so you really gain a further clarity and context to why this podcast is so important and why it's impacting so many lives. Okay, today's guest is Eli Wilhide, and we just met. So I know you are one of the top performing corporate trainers and sales guys, the number one sales guy for Tony Robbins. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That, that's incredible. And you've worked with literally thousands of people to transform their lives and businesses. And um, if there's anything that has to do uh, with communication, this is your expertise. Am I right? You know, I'm into it. Yeah. It's, uh, this is my jam. And I never thought of myself as like, a sales guy or influence guy and I, I no little kid you talk to him and says hey what do you want to be when you grow up salesperson but uh, you know even as a young young kid I felt like like I was voted the quietest person in my high school and I wanted to be heard I wanted to be a person of influence and I wanted to to shine and I was an actor for a bit and I figured if I was famous and on TV people would be forced to listen to me but then when I saw Tony he wasn't anybody that was famous but the famous people were begging to work for him so he was like an influencer to influencers. And I wondered what that was that made somebody so powerful in their communication. And I got really curious and I started to dig in. And the more that I look at what I define success as, a big part of it is communication. Mm. You know, having people hear us. And, you know, even when you look at a Kanye West, you know, or Donald Trump, love him or hate him, these people communicate in a way that grabs people emotionally mm. and moves people into action. And if you can do that in the context of business, you're going to make some money and have a big impact. No kidding. So you came from humble beginnings, right? Yeah. And, and just kind of take me back to like maybe the earlier days of Eli. Day. Like, so we can kind of close that loop of like where you are now. Cool. Yeah. Uh, grew up on the Eastern shore of Maryland. Um, 
my dad got put in a wheelchair from a car accident when I was about two. And he's kind of like a rough and tough kind of guy, covered in tattoos, biker dude, one of those guys. He got a girl pregnant when he was 15. Um, they got married a couple years later, got another girl pregnant, married uh, a couple years later, met my mom, me, married, all that stuff. And then um, he probably would have kept on doing the same thing. He's kind of one of those guys. But being put in a wheelchair, um, this big, huge, tough, masculine guy, now he can't walk and everything, um, I think it centered him some, but he was very angry. Mm. And he channeled all that energy into weightlifting. Mm. So after he got put in a wheelchair, uh, he won 168 trophies and medals for bench press and bodybuilding competitions while in a wheelchair. And so he was my hero. And I looked wow. up to him as this, this boy. And, uh, you know, things were pretty intense at home. And eventually my mom and I just kind of left. And my mom worked at McDonald's. She worked at fast food restaurants. And uh, she ended up wear, working at um, a country club through most of my, my younger days. And, uh, we had, we had pretty tough life. We, we lived on, you know, less than 14 grand a year. And, uh, you know, I've had hours now where I've made more than that. Most mm -hmm. entrepreneurs have, but we, we definitely had things pretty tough. And my mom worked at a country club when I was in high school. And, you know, I was a really quiet kid, mm -hmm. quietest kid in my school. And I, you know, playing sports and working out, you kind of get into your body out of your head and you kind of start to kind of get into your body and, um, started liking girls and all that. And, you know, kind of getting out of my shell and, um, yeah, I would, I would walk around when I was young around this, these golf courses at the country club, kids would kind of make fun of me and stuff. I wear some of the hand-me-down clothes from certain rich, rich kids. And, um, it, it was interesting. My mom always believed in me, even though I was a weird kid, because we had such a kind of a, a traumatizing childhood for me. And I was kind of in my head and just all really, really awkward. Um, and then miracles started to happen. And I don't know if I mentioned this on this, this story before, but uh, my junior year of high school, things got really bad for my mom and I. We were like almost out on the street. And um, yeah, and this one day I'm home and my mom came home and I'm talking to my best friend David on the phone. Just And we he'd been through a lot too. And we just had, you know, we're just kind of talking about how crappy life was. And uh, my mom comes home this night, this woman that's kind of been beat down by life in a lot of ways. But this night she comes home and she's beaming with confidence. Mm. And she comes in and she walks in the room, very strong, very poised, very confident, very certain. And looks at me right in the eye and says, Eli, when you get off the phone, I need to talk to you about something. Huh. I was like, what is that? So I went downstairs and uh, she put her hand on my knee and looked at me deep in the eyes and just was going on and on about this. She thought it was special and it was meant to do something and our life was going to change. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was so emotional. Mm. And she looks at me and she goes, Eli, I just won $7 million in the lottery. You're going to go to college. I'm going to go to school. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting now when I teach influence mm. and what makes people do, takes the actions that they take, actions are preceded by decisions and thoughts and beliefs. And when you believe something, it changes your thoughts and your capabilities and your actions and your decisions. So what really shifts human beings are significant emotional events. And I was really blessed to have a significant emotional event that made me believe in miracles, made me believe in possibility, that made that good things happen, you know, to good people. And despite all the negativity that I was in, it made me believe in possibility. And when you believe in something, you know, it's like the RAS, the reticular activating system. When you believe something, you start to notice it more. Mm. You know, it's like when you want a certain kind of car, you notice it everywhere. 
And when you start to believe in miracles, you start to notice them. And so that's uh, that was my junior year of high school, and things uh, really started to change for me after that. So what happened next? Um, well, I finished up high school. I ended up going to, I didn't plan on going to college. I was gonna be a Marine. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I just figured I'd do with my life, but my mom didn't want me to go. And maybe there was some kind of miracle on that uh, that I didn't, that I ended up going to school in West Virginia for a semester with a, with a friend of mine, and I hated it. And I had a girlfriend at the time um, that I went to high school with. We both, we broke up and we both went away to different colleges and it was a terrible relationship. It was just like the most miserable. I could go on about that. It was like a four year, just uh -huh. horrible relationship. My mom said the worst days of her life when I was in this relationship because uh -huh. it was just like so emotionally stressful for her. And I was angry and like we'd break up, she'd date somebody else. I'd beat him up, you know, I'd, I'd get in fights and I'd get in trouble. It just, it was just terrible. It was a very emotionally terrible relationship. And I was a different person then too. I was very uh, angry, but um, we came back home with a community college and broke up again. And then from there, uh, I always had a dream to go to University of Maryland at College Park. And it's where my grandfather went to school. And so I went to school there and, um, and yeah. And I always wondered why I went there and I always felt lost while I was in university. I studied, studied kinesiology, uh -huh. nutrition and all that. Uh, but my senior year of high school, I met another girl and that girl completely changed my life. And so I felt like when I met her and we're not together anymore, obviously, but she were still really good friends, but she worked for Clinton in the white house, not Monica Lewinsky. People always ask that, uh, but uh, she um, she was really amazing, just really amazing person, and she believed in me more than I believed in myself. And she was so successful for her age. The fact that somebody that was that successful, she was the youngest person to ever work in her high position in the White House, did some just like world class things. Um, and she saw so much in me, it made me believe in myself, and it was like it made me think to myself like I want to be somebody in my life, so that. When I say to somebody, I believe in you, you can do it. It comes from a place where people feel uplifted. So like if a bum came up to you on the street and says, Hey, you're amazing. You're like, yeah, we'll get out of here. But if somebody you respect and admire, like if Tony Robbins or Oprah said, you're so amazing, it would like, you would remember for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I remember like the way that she looked at me and the way she believed in me, I wanted to have the power to believe in others that could change their life. Mm. And I knew that I could only give somebody that experience if I made something of myself mm. and she told me that and so she did a lot she basically was my first kind of like coach so, so I'm hearing you know childhood you had some very you know some darker experiences you had some very yeah. beautiful experiences that started your quest to you know trying to understand human behavior yeah and and then I understand that you know as you got a little older you, you, there's you know kind of maybe a gap you were trying to figure out why you weren't able to take action on some of the things you wanted to do is that is that so people understand that they need to do things yeah right they understand yeah. like i need to invest in myself i need to uh you know make this decision but they don't mm -hmm. is that where your um you know journey to like trying to figure out that started yeah well it's uh you know i was like i said a quiet kid and I love this TV show called Quantum Leap. Mm -hmm. You ever hear the show? It's like this dude named Sam Beckett. He would basically be in one life and he would like write some wrong and then he would wake up as another person. And I hated my life experience so much when I was young, I would wake up every morning imagining I was a different person. Uh -huh. And I think that's what turned me on to acting and being genuinely curious about like, not just like, what is that person, what is that person like? Because we're all relatively curious about other people, but I would really like, what would it be like to be a 300 pound black woman? 
You know, what would it be like to be a boxer? What would it be like if I had eight brothers? What would it be like if I was a woman? And I would just be really curious. And I would kind of embody that. Like, what would it be like? How would I move? Or, you know, if I believed that if I had a billion dollars in the bank, how would I walk into a room? And I would kind of visualize and play with that. And I just, I think just from the, the time I, w- I was a little kid, I was insanely curious about people. Mm. Like, how they become who they become. Mm. And I even meet two brothers or two sisters in the same family. One super successful, other a screw up. Like, what's going on? And and I would ask people questions. Um, my, my, my dad worked at the beach every summer and I would go with her with him and I was just a kid and I'd go off on my own and I'd, I'd meet people and I would just ask lots of questions. Some of them really dumb, but I was just like genuinely curious and really successful people would even give me the time of day. I have some really successful mentors now that are billionaires and I probably ask them really dumb questions, but I they're, they're not dumb, I'm like genuinely curious. It's not like, what's your favorite color? And I'm not asking it from a place of, you know, I just want to know, like, to fill up space. I'm not asking you a dumb question. I'm, like, really curious about how people become who they become. And I ask them interesting questions that make them think about their own processes. Mm. Um, and so, and that's, that's, that's certainly really well in the context of business and sales now, where it's not just asking a question just to ask a question. It's directed to get a certain emotional response, not only to help me get insight, but allow the other people to get insight about their own processes. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I learned that uh, there's a book called The Challenger Sale, uh-huh. where, and just here's the little 30 second commercial on it. In 2008, when the economy crashed, all sales for most corporate salespeople went down, except for this one type of salesperson called a challenger. And so they didn't go in there like a relationship builder, but says, Hey, how's it going, Bob? How's it going, Susie? How's everything going? You want some product? Like building these relationships. They went in and they asked questions of the prospect that got them thinking. And they weren't looking for a response from the prospect, like excited agreement, like, oh my God, you're so right, we need that. Their response was more like, wow, great question. I, I never thought of it that way. So their questions allowed the people to think of their own processes within their organization and their communication style differently. So I want to almost jump right ahead to one of the things you really hit me with on, uh, on your, um, you know, your course on helping them um, people, you know, take action and roll. Yeah. And, and one of the things, um, we get all the time at the end of a sales call is somebody tells you one thing yeah. they know they need to invest. They know they need a coach, but it's expensive yeah. and it's, uh, maybe not the right time. And they start to, you know, just start finding reasons not to take action despite telling you there's a problem, I need help, mm-hmm. and they don't act. They don't make the decision. And you've got some interesting ways to ask questions. And uh, maybe what are some of those questions, you know, when somebody's saying one thing but they're acting a different way, like what's going on there? Yeah, well, it's, we, there's always a need for congruency. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting. You're talking about things that are on the, the back end of the sale. And so if I'm consistently getting an objection or anything on the back end, Mm -hmm. if I address it on the back end, sometimes you can use a rebuttal and turn it around. Uh And sometimes with the right questions you can, but if you're consistently getting a challenge on the front end, you need your back end, you need to adjust it on the front end. Yeah. And so if you make a hard commitment here and then you, it's got objection blocking. Right. So I block it and I handle, I handle it here and I get the commitments up front so that it doesn't come. Or if it does come in the back, I remind them of their commitment on the front. 
So give me an example, one of the ones where you get permission of pushing somebody, because I think a key part of sales is applying some pressure, but you need to ensure that they give you permission, no? Permission, yeah, permission question. So it's a question like, hey, would you be open to looking at it a different way? You know, is it okay if I challenge you on that? Is it okay, you know, your situation's a lot like some of our clients, so I want you to, want you to know your situation's not unique. Can I share with you what other people in your situation do that allow them to get the coaching that they need to get to that six figure a year business? So it's a reason. Can I share with you what people do in your situation that allows them to overcome that challenge despite their circumstances? I want to sit on the permission part. What else can you say uh, to really plant that seed that, hey, later on in this call, there might it might get uncomfortable? We're going to get to a point in this call where we can go one of two directions. Share some of your stuff that uh, just that kind of really helps people, you know, make that leap, if you will. Mm, well, well, some of it's my own my own belief system, mm -hmm. and so as as the training that you were on is, you know, I was talking about that before any call that I do, um, or any kind of communication. Realize that, like all sales is. It's, it's a transference of energy, emotion, energy, emotion. And like, it, there's got to be this certainty that's there. Mm. And so what's coming up underneath the surface. So if there is resistance from the client or the salesperson is doing things unconsciously to create that resistance, a lot of times there are some certainty issues where getting into the transition from the call to the close, the salesperson often loses their certainty. And so you need to double down on your certainty then even more certain. And it's like, this is just, this is just completing. That's why it's called closing. Like it's completion. Uh -huh. And the habit of that has got to be built within our nervous system. Like if you're doing your dishes, wash them all. Don't just do half of them. If you're making your bed, like do it all, like get in the habit of everything you do, do it fully. And so it's, it's, it's a pattern within the communicator. Uh -huh. Like that's why in the book, I love that book relentless by, uh, Tim Grover yeah. talks about a closer, but then there's a cleaner. Yeah. It's like, there's a different mindset there. And that's why it's like, if you were having a sales call with Michael Jordan, you know, it's like his level of certainty. It's like, you know, it's like saying to somebody, like if you have a personal trainer, that's like, he's missing his legs and he ran to the gym. Like there's people that run races without legs and you call him up. Are you going to call him up in the morning and say, yeah, I don't feel like it this morning. I'm not feeling good. He's like, Hey, I just ran to the gym. I don't have legs. You feel like the biggest bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so the process of leading people, mm. that's why Tony's such a good leader. Tony's up on stage like 15 hours straight. And he's like, and he's, you stand for like two hours sometimes and you're tired. Yeah, yeah. There's this motherfucker standing for 15 hours. You're like, I can't complain. Yeah. And because he's doing it right in front of you. And so leadership, you know, we demonstrate it with who we're being huh. and we're taking a stand for people. So how do you incorporate that message into a sales conversation where somebody's not like connecting the dots that, you know, they don't understand they're creating their own objections because you're teaching them how to, you know, become a coach and they can't sell because there's not integrity in their message. They're not able to sell because they don't have a coach and, and you're, you're asking them to, uh, invest uh, into themselves and they're not understanding why others aren't investing into them. And it's all because of the way they're leading or not leading themselves. So they're yeah. creating their own objections. Yeah. And just, yeah. So some of the things that help people understand, like I can't expect 
to solve these bigger problems of my, my life or these bigger dreams or bigger goals in my life if I don't start by investing in myself today or start solving this small problem today. Yeah. It was interesting. At the end of my, my Tony talks, and I just did one, I did a couple of them Thursday, what was it? Wednesday. We were here uh, on Thursday. But I have, towards the end of my presentation, I have people, so I introduce, so here's, here's a bit. And sometimes within a sales call or a presentation, I have lots of these, these bits. Could be a metaphor. It's like a, it's like a one or two minute, almost little speech that I give that injects a belief system. So results or lack of results come from actions or lack of actions, which come from decisions, which come from thoughts, which comes from beliefs about what this is or about who the person is or about times where we have, uh, and you saw it inside that book, there's vehicle beliefs, there's self beliefs and there's world worldview. Mm. So they have a belief about something outside of them, time, economy, a belief about themselves, their ability, their confidence about who they think they are, or a belief about the vehicle, meaning your process. Yeah. So there's some belief that's out of alignment. And the way a belief system works is if then means. You know, if I don't have the money, then it means that I can't do it. Mm. If, uh, you know, if time's really tight right now, like if, if I don't have a lot of time right now, then it means I need to do this later. Mm. Do successful people think that way? No. So you ask that question back to them. No. So I would say, well, you know, would you be open to looking at this a different way? Wow. You know, so is this what you're saying? You know, and so I acknowledge them, you know, and I, as we start to pull it apart and here's the, here's the interesting thing. If, if you, if I ask you enough questions about anything, you begin to doubt it. So these people that like, buy your program and then maybe they went out, it's like, start, can I do it? They start, they start doubting themselves. They start waffling. And this is a habit. This is something they do in every area of their life. Mm. That's why they don't have the certainty. Yeah. It's like, you know, like if I ask you like Vince, what's your name? Vince. How do you know? Cause I say it all the time. My mom calls me. <laughs> I was so, giving it. <laughs> okay. So are you saying that when people, just because somebody calls you something, does that mean that's who you are? Hmm. Uh, I never even thought of that. You just threw me off. I, <laughs> I think but, so. But here's, but here's the thing, though. Here's if the, it's my name, name but it is, if it's something else, no. Yeah. Oh, back up here. That was like, so you've conditioned it. You respond to it all the time. Right. And like, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and think your name's John. Right. Like, what are the chances you wake up tomorrow and you're going to be like, is my name John? No, because you didn't even think about it. So you're certain. You're 100% certain. But if you start to doubt, if you start questioning anything enough, you'll start to doubt it. And so, like, you could take any kind of belief that people have about themselves, about the market, the economy or anything. And they start questioning themselves and it takes away their uncertainty. Mm. Well, is it this or is it this, you know? And so they're waffling back and forth. And so that's the process of how successful people make decisions is different. So it's called decide, commit, resolve. Huh. You make a decision. Like, like I love that analogy from thinking of rich. It's like the, they want to take the Island. So they, they all take the boats and they, they go to the Island. And then they burn the boats and there's no going back. They made a decision and they, they can only go in one direction. So the word decide me comes from the Latin word deceer, meaning to cut off. Like you make a decision to do that thing and then you commit to it and then you figure it out. Then you resolve it. Huh. Most people are trying to resolve and commit before they've made a decision. So somebody might say, well, I'm in a relationship with this guy and I can't get him to commit. Well, that's because he hasn't decided that you're the one. If he decides you're the one, 
and then he makes the commitments to you and then you spend your life together. You resolve your life. Mm -hmm. Some people are like, well, I'm thinking about joining the gym, but you know, I need to buy the shoes. I need to like, you know, they start thinking about the shower. They start thinking about all the details and resolving it before they've made a decision. And I say, Hey, if you make a decision to be successful, successful people that get what they want in life, they always make decisions. They're not overwhelmed with details and all that stuff. They've made a commitment. So I say the decision you need to make is, do you want to, do you actually want to be successful? And you realize that requires you to make tough decisions. President of the United States makes decisions all day. Owner of a company, a good business leader, wow. a good parent, they make decisions. This is amazing. If you have a parent that's not making strong decisions, or if you talk to a woman and she's married and say, how do you feel about your husband when he's not making strong decisions? Like loses her drive. Yeah. Cause in, in business is a masculine game. And so, Sir, like, you know, Mr. Fitness business guy, you've made a strong decision to invest in this program or you're thinking about it, mm. but now you got to talk to your wife. It's interesting. Um, you know, I like it when I'm in a relationship where I just take care of all that for my woman and she trusts me to make the right decision. The real question is what's going on in your relationship? Why she doesn't trust you to make the right decision. Oh, wow. Like what's going on? Like, I want to coach you through this because to level up your game, it's going to require some leadership. And if you want to lead, first you need to lead, learn how to lead yourself and then your family before you ever start thinking about leading a business. Oh man, jeez. So do you oh. see how there's a, there's a, like a, a gradation, like yes. we were saying earlier. You're coaching me right now. We're not even like actually, so I haven't even signed anything I'm yet. teaching, I'm teaching you. Yeah. Like what this is. So it's like, it's education based sales mm. and I'm teaching them a the process, but I get permission too. Can I share with you what? people do in your situation. And so I'm getting buy-in. And so it's logical, right? So this is all logical. And then we tie it back with emotion. What would it mean to you? And so what would it mean to you if you got result? What would it mean to you if you didn't? So now we connect meaning. And I like, uh, Tony Robbins has this thing called the triad where he's basically simplified all these forms of therapy and how people create emotions within themselves and how they get habituated conditioned through something called the triad. And it's like, you know, if we had a triangle, the bottom, it would say physiology to the top, right would say focus. And then to the left would say language and meaning. And so you can also tell what's happening emotionally inside of people based on the language that they say, what they make things mean, but also their focus and their physiology. And you can hear things, tension in their voice, physio, somebody's like stressed out. There's like, there's something there. And so we want to acknowledge that sometimes, but people are caught into a certain emotional pattern and we want to interrupt their pattern. And one of the ways we do it is by changing their focus. Hmm. And the way we do that is by asking a question. Hmm. Right now, I ask you about your shoes. You have to think about your shoes. I've asked about your mom or the best day of your life or the worst day of your life, what it cost you, what would it mean to you if that didn't happen? Where do you think you'd be now? How does that make you feel? What are some things that you tell yourself when that happens? How long has that been going on? So I'm directing them. I'm probing into it. So. And, I, and there's something else to remember you sharing, sharing when even the money piece comes up, because that's the objection you often hear most. And, um, and, uh, I know you, you have an interesting way of like, you know, speaking to who they want to see themselves as maybe, um, you know, their better future. And you say something to the extent of, um, you know, I see you wanting to do something special. Yeah. So there's, you know, what there's was that all about? Like when you're like, you can tell like, um, 
I, I can tell you really want to be successful, but yeah. they're not acting on the belief of successful people. Just how's that conversation? So there's, there's a lot of things that I'll, I'll hear within the first 10 minutes too. So it's in the qualification process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they, you ask them what they do for a living, mm -hmm. you know, how long they've been doing it. They say, Oh, I'm doing disability. I'm really struggling, whatever. So I want to address that uh, ahead of time. I'll let people know, well, it's, you know, to invest in a program like this, you know, to get yourself to six figures like you want, you do realize it's going to require some capital or some, some credit. Mm -hmm. I'll see credit to in, make the investment in yourself. That's going to get you there. And then people might say it's expensive, but compared to what? So fortunately, so that's what you say compared to what? So that's my mindset though. All right. So I want, I give them something to compare it to. So if you were to go back to school and get an MBA, um, how much do you think that would cost? Yeah. I'm, well, I paid 50 grand and started off at 10 bucks an hour. So yeah, I mean, yeah. probably going to be 50 to hundred K to get an education these days. Yeah. And so people need to make that comparison, you know? And so before I pitched Tony's event, I always mentioned that in the eighties, it was a million dollars to be coached by Tony. Mm. Now it's about 4 million and it's a two year wait list in person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's one hour a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. How long is the wait list? Two years. That's outstanding. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so there's a lot of things that we can do on the front end and I'll listen for things, but here's a question that everybody, before you get to the money. So here's a nugget that you guys can take away and then I'll share with you another framework. But a question is simply something like this. And here's a question. I didn't even come up with this one. One of the guys that works for me did say like, scale of one to 10, where would you say your financial situation is right now? And then you have to give them the criteria. One or a 10 means that you pretty much can do whatever you want. You know, you have the financial means available to make good choices for yourself to get what you want. A one means things are really, really bad. You're living paycheck to paycheck. Where were you at? And so they're going to, they're going to say something right there. And so that's going to give you a lot of information and they're going to say, Oh, five, whatever, you know, and then depending on what they say, it's going to help you determine. So the qualifiers is like, do they have money? Are they a decision maker? Do they have a problem? Do they know they have a problem? Do they have money and are willing to find a solution to fix their problem? Do they realize the cost of not fixing their problem? Do they realize that if they invest to fix their problem, what could be the upside? I love it. I know one of your other qualifying questions, uh, one of my favorites is how much longer are you willing to put this off? Yeah. How much longer are you willing to allow yourself to stay exactly where you're at? And how important is it for you to, uh, do what you said you have been wanting to do the past one year, two years. Yeah. You know, just kind of like and the question. And they, so it's, this isn't like something that just came to them today. They've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just how to communicate, like how to not do that in a way that's like demeaning or making them feel bad about themselves, but just, you know, unpacking that a bit. A lot of this tonality. And of course, Jordan Belfort is all of this stuff's tonality. Um, and there's one of the tonalities and everybody talks about having absolute certainty, like Tony Robbins, absolute certainty, but just as powerful as, as certainty is curiosity, genuine, like curiosity. Mm. And so even sometimes people say like, you know, ah, things are tight right now. It's like, I'm curious. What, why are you even bringing that up? You just said that you'd make an extra 30 K if you fix this problem. I'm curious. Like, why, why are you even bringing that up right now? Where else in your life do you want something, but begin to doubt yourself? Oh, wow. I'm just curious and I'm genuinely curious. 
you know, is this, is this the first time or has this been happening for a while, for a while? So, the, so wow, that's just so deep because like this, this you're, there's the problem downstream is really occurring up, like upstream. It's, it's yeah. like, like you said, so there's stuff going on outside. So, so yeah, how do you, how do so you get when, them to when start? When you ask like, these questions though, the key thing is, and I've learned this by watching Tony. So when Tony does those interventions, thousands of people watching him, he's got like a suicide. He's had 5,000 suicide attempts. Tony's never lost a person. And so he's got a process for how he's got a framework, a seven step framework that he's taking people through. And there's hundreds of tools that he's using within there. But the very first step is to, to understand and appreciate somebody's world. And so when people feel really understood, like you understand their problem, but not just understand because you can understand somebody and judge them. But when you understand somebody and they feel appreciated, hmm. like I can appreciate, wow, I appreciate you sharing that. Like hmm. I'm genuinely like, and I, and I know I, I can appreciate that. I, I, you feel acknowledged Yeah. and say, you know, and I, can I genuinely share with go you? Go back to story, go back to, you know, just... Yeah, you know, human touch. Hey, man, I got burned too by a business coach. I yeah. lost fifty five thousand dollars, and it was my wife's money. Yeah. Hey, man, I understand you're skeptical to invest again. Is that that's what you're talking about here? Trying to find common ground and not not even just making them feel. Just I I I feel you. Sometimes it's, it's slowing down, letting them uh, appreciate. Talk about that a bit. Slowing yeah. down and, and and like these are like bullets. And I think yeah. one of my challenges is like I fire too many to them. I don't know. It's maybe an insecurity. All salespeople talk too much. Uh -huh. yeah, and so the, the phrases, so it's like one of those questions in there, uh, I ask, there's different, there's a syntax of the way that I do it. There's consequence questions, transition questions, solution questions, probing, clarifying, quantifying, all these different types of questions. But one of them that I love is a solution question. And so somebody might say to me, you know, they're on there because they want to improve their sales. And I say, well, if you were to find a way that you could, increase your sales 20, 30% in the next six months. Well, tell me when, when would you want to start that process? Oh man, that's so good. And they always say what now? And then I say, and then most people jump in and say, well, we got just the thing too soon. Right. I say, well, well, well why, why is that important to you now though? Mm -hmm. And I can say, why is it important to you now? And it's certainty, but I say it like, well, what, tell me why, is, why would that be important to you now? I mean, yeah, why got, next month? yeah you know, just curious. Well, because I got to do this and I got to do this and I've always wanted to. Now, who's selling who? Hmm. So the questions, so the key phrase, and I think I mentioned this to you last, I mentioned somebody last night. Um, I, I told this to you. One of the key principles is this, and I've got a whole list of principles that we follow. And this is what people look at um, that I train. They have like these things in front of them. But the main one, I'd say the biggest nugget is this, is to be a problem finder and a problem solver, not a product pusher. Ooh. And so most people are in the mindset when they get to the call of pushing a product instead of finding and solving a problem. And so if we're finding a, if I'm my question directed to finding a problem and solving a problem, and then it gets to the course, like selling in the course, the, the problem's not the money. The problem's not the problem is the fact that they're so fucking wishy-washy. The problem, the fact is they say something and then they backtrack. The, the, the problem is they're not being committed to something they want in their life because they're scared. And who's scared in the world? Who in the world has fear? Everybody. Yeah. You think a billionaire isn't scared? They're scared the government's going to take it. They're scared that somebody might try to kidnap their kids. Everybody has fear. And so this is just your fear. And you're caught in a, a pattern of fear right now. And so 
you could probably figure this out on your own, take you some trial and errors, maybe years, or maybe you never figured out. Do you think that somebody that's been there, been through the same fear, come through the other side, do you think having somebody hold your hand through that process can help you? Mm. You're really good at bringing it back to getting into, um, how did you phrase it when we were um, coming up the elevator? You were saying they have to say it, not you tell it. Yeah, it's, uh, they, when you say it, they doubt it. When they say it, it's true. That's it. <laughs> and so, and I got this from a buddy of mine, Cole. I love uh, he speaks at a lot of seminars. He, he's a beast. Um, so, so uh, like, I'll, I'll say something like, um, like, I get them to say it. So I'll rephrase it. Um, like the thing about challenging people or whatever, yeah. like I did the gravity thing with you. So, so what you're telling me is like, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Mm. So what you're saying is that in order to be like, to really get what you want, you need to be hundred percent committed. Is that what you're telling me? So I of get, course, I yeah. figure out then, then I say it. So is that what you're telling me? And then listen to this. They just posted a quote on that on Instagram a few hours prior. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so I saw that you said this. So what you're saying is we don't get one out of life. You're saying we get, what we're committed to cool. I think you're right. In fact, you are more right than you even know. You should trust your intuition on that. Your intuition will never, never misguide you. So I just, so not only did I get you to say it, and then I reinforced the fact that you said it three times. Jeez. So, so is this what you're saying? So you're saying that, so has this been a pattern for you? So can you see, are you, are you telling me that the fact that you're stuck in this position right now is because in the past you've been kind of all over the place, you had some fear, you haven't been fully committed. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? So you're saying that in order to get through that, you're going to need to be more committed and, and those, that fears are probably going to come up, but you're going to need to push through them. Is that what you're saying? Hey, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I guess that's what I need to do. Yeah. Well, it, I tell you, I think you're right. <laughs> in fact, in fact, Vince, you're more right than you even know. Jeez. Tell me, man, you should trust your intuition on that. I know. That's probably what got you to this call. And I'm really glad you're here. Oh man. So now I'm, I'm reinforcing. So I'm, I've got you going momentum in a certain direction. When do you feel like you kind of like now move to maybe some commitment questions where you're like, so where do you want to go next? What's our next step? You know, how do you know like you've got kind of like enough to like continue the, all right, you know. But the biggest thing like is Like when this. you believe like they, we, we've, we've, we've made some headway here. Yeah, so, so the way that, and the way it's in that book, I put the O-W-A-G-S. So there's yeah. a problem where the first, oh, the first step is to own yourself where most salespeople, most influencers, you have to be so sold on the value. Like, so just owning it, like this call, yeah. this could completely change your life. And if you don't do this, you're just going to stay the same. So I have like zero lack of confidence and certainty that they need this. Yeah. So I'm, that's the I was first telling step. you the same thing. I mean, that's how I grew this coaching program. Just like I had yeah. a script, but I was so always off the script just yeah. because I'm a product of coaching. Yeah. I'm a product of masterminds. Yeah. I'm not a product of anything else. So I'm like, if they don't do this today, they're going to end up doing something that's not going to help them. Yeah. So and, and, pain. and I can say that with yeah. so much conviction. I think now I understand why I close so high without like a formal process. Yeah. And so one of my mantras is always my certainty overcomes their doubt. Mm. Cause they have doubted me, doubting whatever. So they don't need to be certain. They don't have to be certain. You, some, you've got to be certain. Yeah, and also if they're too certain about what they're doing right now, don't think they can do it on their own. So that's why I ask them all these questions to start pulling them apart and do they start doubting themselves? Well, do you think that what you've done is the absolute best way? Are there other people out there that you think could be doing it better? 
what do you think they're doing that you're not? Why don't you think you're doing that? Huh. You know, there's tons of information. You can't access it all. Uh-huh. I have, I have a, yeah, you have more on that? I want to talk about consequence questions. Right. Yeah, it's, so it's lots of that. But, but the, the key thing is this. Um, as we get, as I get into a pain, the key thing is this, especially when you have business sales, and it's easier with business sales than any other type of sales, but you have to bring it. So I talked about in that, that call you listened to is the seven Fs. So there's these seven Fs of influence. Um, finances, family, friends, faith, like sense of meaning and purpose, uh, fun and fornication, basically like these different types of influence. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody is coming to me with a, a health challenge, fitness, I get them to tell me based on my questions, how their lack of health is affecting them financially. They can't do things with their family. They're not able to take trips around the world with their friends. They're maybe not having fun. They're not fornicating, you know, so I get them to tell me that and I'll, that's how I expand the pain. Mm. It's like, so I started doing my fitness coaching for a while and I get people to spend, you know, at least 5k with me for fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it on the phone, like on zoom calls, they could go to gold's gym and have somebody coach them in person for cheaper. Why would they do that with me? Because I sold them properly and selling is the process of influence, getting people to do things for their reasons. And until an influencer comes up, and that's what an influencer does. They stir up some pain. Like if I don't do this now, they create some urgency. Isn't that manipulation? The difference between in that, in that was not advocate here. Isn't that manipulation? Well, here's the thing. They feel an emotional response. I've never heard this before. Like when you go, I love the analogy of going. So to we want to be manipulated. We do. I don't want to be where I'm at, or else I'd be. I wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah. And I'd be on your own. And it's like I, I think of the analogy of like going to the chiropractor. They call it spinal. They manipulate your spine huh. because it's out of alignment. Like I'm going to bang that, that mofo in there to get you back into alignment. That's what they're paying you for. Like to straighten this out, you know? Man, and I so love I'm, that. You could call it influencing, manipulating. I don't care. It's like, I used to always say this. I would say all's fair in love, war, and selling people into these events, <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. cause it's for them. Yeah. And I really do believe, so I've got zero, uh, I'm not going to like lie, cheat and steal, but I'm going to do everything within my power. And that's why I started to learn NLP and all these, you know, I learned some of the darker things in influence. There's a really, the, the best guy out there, it's kind of cheesy, some of his stuff, but a guy named Kendrick Cleveland, mm -hmm. he's got some stuff. I bought all of his stuff. Some of it's painful to get through, but it really helps you understand the structure of language in the context of influence. So he basically uses NLP patterns mm -hmm. uh, within that context. So, so one set of questions that um, I have a challenge asking, I don't know why, um, are consequence questions. And yeah. Maybe it's because it's maybe closer to manipulation, if you will. What will you do if you don't do this? Yeah. Where do you think your health and happiness will be in a year from now if we don't get started today? It's almost like it's too obvious that I'm a salesman all of a sudden by saying that. I don't know why those feel awkward for me. I don't know if they don't feel awkward for so you. The, but The one thing is your belief yeah. that it's awkward makes okay. it awkward for you and for them. Okay. Uh, also, it was too wordy the way you did it. Okay. And so I, I'll start off like this. So it's also a lot of my tonality. And so I'm just... You know, I, I'm just curious. And before we go any further, I, I, I almost feel bad even asking this question because I've really enjoyed talking to you, but I, but I have to ask the question. I mean, what's, what's going to happen if nothing changes? I mean, if you keep on doing the same thing for another year, another five years, I mean, what's going to happen then? So it feels, feels soft. Like I'm genuinely curious. And so, or I could just ask the question, um, like, why not just stay exactly where you're at? So some people are going to say, well, you know, I guess, I guess things will just, I guess things will just suck. Some people are complacent. I guess things will, you know, that's just how it is. 
I said, well, who's, whose decision is that? Well, I guess it's mine. Do you authentically want to get more success for you and your family? Is this something you really want? Mm. Well, yeah. I love cool. that. Well, if you, if you really want it, then maybe it's time you start making some new decisions. Yeah. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> so when you're digging into the problems, are you trying to hit every F? No, the biggest one is the financial. So client quantifies value for you is the phrase that I say all the time. So if somebody tells me that them is it's costing them and here's, if, if I only have a little bit of time, here's exactly how I do it. Like I could ask you this for any, here's how, like if I have five minutes with you and I want to sell you, Here's one of the questions I asked you, scale of one to 10, where do you feel like you're tapping into your full potential right now as a father, business owner, in your health, whatever it is, whatever they're coming to me for. And so I'll say 10 means you cannot possibly get any better. It's like, you're the best, it's not like you're the best in the world, but like your health couldn't get any better, your finances, your relationship, you've maxed out your potential. You could not have possibly done one thing to get better than you're at. That's a 10. A one means like you're asleep, you know, you're just, you know, you're not doing anything. Where are you at? People say five, six, you know, whatever. Well, what's, what do you feel like has kept you from being out of 10? What's lack of commitment, focus, uncertainty. So they tell me all the things that are stopping them. And then as we get into the call, I basically ask them, like if we were able to fix those problems, get you committed, have proper systems in your business, if you had all of that, what do you think that would do for you? What would that mean to you? That's ambiguous. And they'll say something. And then the next, the next question is deeper. Well, what would that mean to you financially? Well, it would mean this. I make an extra 20,000 or 100,000. And I say, so you, so you really believe that? You make an extra 100,000 a year if we fix that. So they say that. Now check this out. And they say, yeah. I say, write that number down. Cool. And I say, well, it, you know, is, Jason, is it okay if I ask you the same question, but, but like in a different way? Yeah. Is it fair to say that if you don't fix this now, in the next year, it's going to cost you and your family $100,000? What are they going to say to that? And they're like, yeah. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. And so they need to realize that it's going to cost them. I have a question. So these are like so powerful and it's almost like sometimes you fire a couple of them and they're, they're still like not going for it. Like when you pull it away and just like, holy crap, <laughs> like this person, like, what are we on the phone here for right now? Like, mm. how, you know what I'm saying? Like you fire like a couple bullets. They've said everything. You like, okay, now they're going to say, okay, let's go. I'm ready to know what's next. And yeah. they're, they're just not going down. It's like, you just pull it out. Like, you know, Hey, I don't think it's going to be a good fit. I don't think you're ready right now. How do you just like pull it away? Not so much as a tactic, but like genuinely pull it away and see if they fight for it. You know, it's like kind of reverse psychology. Yeah. And so acknowledging first up is you want to always acknowledge. Uh -huh. And sometimes I'll say, I've said this to people before on the phone. I say, you know, can, can I say something here? Um, you know, I, I just want to bring something up. I'm not as, I don't feel as connected to you right now as we were at the beginning of the call. Ooh, what's coming up for you? And sometimes they say I was texting or I was, I was on Facebook. Somebody sent me a message and then I say, I said, so you were, somebody sent you a text. Where else in your business or even your personal life is this showing up for you where you can't stay present for 30 minutes? So this thing you're doing now, you know, and I'm just curious, I'm not, I don't want to assume anything. Do you think that actually is, is taking away from the plot of your business? So yeah. I assure them that I'm, I'm coaching them through that. Yeah. You know, and do you think that's, that's, that's taking you away from being connected to your clients because you can't be present? 
Yeah. And what about the indecisive factor? Like, so uh, sometimes I'll teach bits yeah. that I can I can turn it, um, but I know that's going to be something really big. So there's also there's a very big difference. People talked to Taki talked yesterday about rapport. And you don't need to spend a lot of time in rapport, mm -hmm. but trust. People need to know, like, and trust you. Trust is huge. Trust is more important than rapport. How do you build the trust up? And so you you can you can ask. There's a few things you can do. Um, some of it's just in how you're being, which is huge. Making being warm, being being consincere, but also being firm for people. But it's interesting. And here's the analogy I always say: It's like I, when I used to drink coffee every day, I'd go to the coffee shop, and the guy would see me, and he'd make the coffee exactly the way that I want, and he talked to me and stuff like that, and we have great rapport. Like I love this guy, but if he offered me a business opportunity or asked me for some money, I don't know, like, I just keep making the coffee. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't trust you with my finances. Gotcha. I don't trust okay. you to take my business next level because I see you're serving coffee here. So I don't I don't trust that you can do that for me. But if I saw him and he had a nice suit on and things like that, and I, he was driving a Bentley, maybe some more trust there based on who he's being. But, you know, I could say something. Um, you know, the reason that that people trust us, I could talk, they saw a webinar of yours and you have a case study. I'd ask about which one of those case studies, like, Hey, did you watch the webinar? Yeah. Uh, what stood out to you about it? What'd you like about it? Uh, so did you did you notice any of the case studies? Yeah. Which one stood out to you? Oh, mm. this one. Cool. What'd you get out of this? Well, the reason that John trusted us, this, this, and this. You know, what are some of the things that you look for when you're considering possibly joining a program? You know, and so I'll ask. You know, is that something that would be important to you? Mm. And so I'm also. I have a really strong frame in the beginning. So the way that Taki did it, there was a there was a guy named Kevin Nations. Mm -hmm. You guys know who he is? Heard of him, yeah. So he was the original sales godfather gangster. Uh, he's, he's, he makes like a passive eight figures a year now. Mm. Um, him and Frank Kern, they had a program. Uh, it was like a $25,000 mastermind. And then they raised it. Eventually it was 75000 bucks, And the two of them did it together. It was called The Family. Um, teaching high-ticket sales, group coaching. So he was the original talkie and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a little dated. People still like it. but And I've listened to it. It's brutal to listen to. He's from Mississippi. Nothing against Mississippi people. But he talks really slow. And he's kind of like got these really long. He's got a point that he wants to give you. Yeah. That takes like less than two minutes to give you the entire nugget. Yeah. And he takes two hours to explain it. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, and all these stories. And I was like, I get it. It's brutal. Um, so it was painful <laughs> listening to all the calls and everything. But... This this process, um, th my process is an advanced version of that. Everybody's sales process is an advanced version of this. It was originally called RAPID, R-A-P-I-D. Research, agenda, pain, investigation, decision. Research, who is this person being connected? Agenda, setting the frame that Taki talked about. D, you know, uh, leading them to, or no, uh, P, leading to the pain. I, investigation, where you link more areas to the pain. And then lead, leading them to a decision. And so really great process. It's since it's been evolved, but in that process of the agenda, it's so important to set that correctly. And it's set with the intention of preeminence. So the way that he did it was ask, tell, ask, tell, Hey, John, I'm going to ask you some questions to find out if or how I can help you. I'm going to tell you the process of what it looks like to get to your business six figures. You can ask me any questions you like. And at the end of the call, you let me know if all this makes sense. Sound fair? So I'm alluding to in that last phrase, I said four things there. I'm going to ask you questions because whoever's asking the questions has control. 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could ask you your shoes or your mom. I'm taking your mind somewhere because, again, and Taki said this, there's a little bit of a conflict at the beginning of the call. They're looking for information. You're looking for a decision. Mm-hmm. So we're getting the agreement. Hey, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. You can ask me any questions you like. And then at the end of the call, you're basically going to make a decision. But here's how I say it. At the end of the call, we're going to talk about how we can actually help you and what that looks like. But if I feel like I can't help you, I'm going to refer you out so that you make sure you got the best use of this time. And so that's, that's now it's not, now it's not a call to see if they're fit my program. It's a call that is going to investigate what they have going on. And no matter what happens, I'm going to put them in the best possible decision. Hmm. If I think that's with me, we're going to talk about that. But if not, I'm going to point you somewhere else. If I let you know about the program, it means that you're hundred percent fit. Hmm. I won't even make you an offer unless I know this is a slam dunk. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. And so now if I make them an offer, we got that agreement and say, hey, based on everything you told me, you're definitely a fit. Yeah. And it's based on everything you told me. And so that's really important. And I remind them of that based on what they told me. Like, these are things you told me. When you said that you were here, but here, were you being honest with me? Do you really feel like you have that potential? But as you told me, What's been stopping you is the fear, the procrastination, the self-doubt. And so what we want to do is help you with those program, those problems because business is 20% mechanics. Like how to do it is relatively easy. And if you could have done it on your own, you already would have. But it's 80% mindset. And that's why being part of the community, having a leader that's already been there, done that, is going to allow you to follow the process. Otherwise, you're going to start to doubt yourself and go back into the same routines like you're trying to do now. And so I'd like to coach you through that process if you'll let me. Is it, is it okay if I ask you some questions to coach you through this indecision that you're feeling now so you can move in the direction of your dreams? Is it okay if we explore that? Yeah, sure. Cool. And so I'll talk to them through about what's coming up. I feel like people don't even have a chance when they talk to you. You know, like if you, if I, if I, okay. so I don't want everyone again on a call with busting these beliefs. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. said I really, but I really want to help them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, so there's, oh, yeah, there's yeah. not. Like, yeah, yeah. But I know this is this is their life. This is what you need. And you know, but I've had this too. And so also, like the belief system's got to be there. And I think that you need to have a certain amount of skill set. And so at the end of the call, often, like if somebody's really a mess, like. So there, here's an analogy. Being a mess, just like they're, they're not. I just don't want to work with them. Yeah. Like I want to be. So I really do feel like, like if I want somebody. So I'm doing this work with Scott and Zion and stuff, and their program is ninety six thousand, uh-huh. and their belief is one hundred percent this. If we want to work with you, we're going to work with you. Like you don't even have a choice. We're letting you know. Like if you're making seven figures mm. and they believe they can help you, eventually you're going to work with them. If they want you bad enough, they're going to follow up. Like they make the decision. Oh, you don't even have a choice. And you know deep down because they know they can actually help you. Yeah. So that's where my confidence comes from is the fact that I know that I can actually help this person. You know what I mean? It's like I'm 100% certain. Yeah. Like I can actually help you. And it's like, and you know it too deep down. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be on the call with me. Hey, hey, help, help. Um, let, let's just maybe take this uh, back to like a lot of people listening who are in the early sales journey. Yeah. And um, they're in that scarcity mindset. They need the money. Yeah. Just just kind of speak to that person that you don't need the money. There's 7 billion people in the world. Yeah. You need to be selective about who you work with. It's like the trainer who uh, has zero people on his schedule. And, uh, you know, his first pitch at a new gym is, I only got one spot open and it's at 6 a.m. Yeah. Really got the whole day open. 
And then next thing he feels at seven o'clock, then at eight o'clock, then at nine o'clock, then he's at full, you know. Yeah. But the principle is needing, needing nothing attracts everything. Huh. And neediness is creepiness. Ooh, it fits in. Creepy. Needing nothing attracts everything because you're unattached. Mm. But neediness attracts everything. It, it repels people. Gotcha. It's creepy. It feels weird. Hey, can you do it? Yeah, there's this creepiness. It's like, uh, I'm 41 now, but I remember just a few years ago, I was, went on a lot of dates with girls and they're like, you know, mid 30s. And a lot of these girls were like ready to settle down and have kids. They were like, that time clock was ticking for them. And I felt like they were like, like, I'm looking at my steak and my mouth's watering. I feel like they were looking at me like that. Like, <laughs> so, uh, what's been your longest relationship? Why did it work out? You know, just like, like, they're just like this tick, 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 tick. Like, it's like, it's so much pressure. And the, the tension that's inside them, yeah. their stress made me not comfortable. Dude, this so, is like mind blowing. And so the framework is also, and Jesse introduced this to me. Uh, we call it CAST, C-A-S-T. Concept, application, strategy, tactic. So a concept is fitness. Uh, application, say busy moms. Strategy, intermittent fasting, tactic, exactly what you eat and when. Concept, sales. Application, to fitness business owners. Strategy, the structure of your sales call. Tactic, exactly these little questions. Huh. So we're going big picture and I can pull other strategies and tactics and so we wanna move things around with the information. So we have behavioral flexibility that allow us to move within a call. So we're not in a rigid structure. It's like Bruce Lee. He's using a lot of different, you know, techniques. Eli, we could go on all night here, man. Yeah. And this is mind blowing. I can't thank you enough for coming Anytime. up here and for yeah. us doing this. I know we're going to hang more and uh, I'm excited for you to launch your mastermind. I don't want this uh, conversation awkwardly end because the battery is like right on the final, like, notch there you got one percent like bright red yeah so uh, hey let's close out here where can people uh learn more connect with you and just tap into what you're doing uh my my website is wildinfluence.com and they can get that book that you read wildinfluence.com forward slash book um is the link to that and it should be set up if not they can hit me up on facebook or instagram uh i am eli wild and i can send them the link through there we'll put all that in the show notes hey oh, yeah cool that was so, so incredible. Listen, guys, it's now time to bless someone. Who are you thinking of right now that will love this episode? One person. You're welcome to blast this out on social media, but who are you going to send this to right now? Uh, we want to encourage you to be a go-giver and hook someone up. And uh, if you want some bonus points, take a screenshot and uh, share a one-liner, uh, maybe a, a golden nugget that Eat Life shared with you that uh, touched you that you're going to um, – implement and you're going to take immediate action on so that you can experience the benefit of his uh, wisdom and his knowledge and uh, what you shared with us today. So uh, uh, that's it for today. I want to uh, thank you again. Thank you all for listening and sharing. And I just want to encourage each and every one of you to have a positive and memorable and productive day. Thank you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Man.